0: just caused the Holy Spirit to leap in my uh, body and then I heard Pastor Mark Casto repeat something very similar to it. Um, But my primary language is English. I know that shocks you all because I speak more hillbillyese than I do English, but my primary language is English. My dad's primary language was English and his dad's primary language was English and there was a study done in 1997, and the father tongue hypothesis was proposed, and it proposes that humans tend to speak their father's language. It's based on this proposal that linguistic affiliation correlates more closely with the Y chromosomal var- variation than with the uh, mitochondrial DNA variation. In other words, your father's language is probably more unlikely what's going to affect and how, what becomes your language, your native tongue. So my primary language, because my father spoke English, my primary language is English. But Father God's primary language is Jesus. <laughs> Look at the screen, write that down, I'd be rem- remembering that the Father speaks of Jesus. Three times, no, let's, let's go to Hebrews the first chapter. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2. God, the Father, who in various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers through prophets. So in the Old Testament, he used the mouth of prophets to speak through them his word. But in these last days, now we can stop right there and we can talk about the last days because your last days were your past days. Your last, our last days aren't in the future. He's writing this to the Hebrews and he was already declaring they were in the last days. The last days was the culmination of the end of that old covenant system in 70 A.D. So the last days have already passed. I'm in a brand new day. I'll live in a brand new day. Why? It's a new covenant. It's a new way. It's a new language. It's better blood with better promises. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. We had a sacrifice that was made once and for all, for all time. And in those last days, he has spoken to us, how? By his son. So Jesus' primary language, or God's primary language, is Jesus. He speaks to us through Jesus, Jesus. Now I realize that Jesus has gone to sit at the right hand of the Father and where he is I am also. I am seated in him. Here on this earth I have a citizenship of heaven. I'm an ambassador here who has been given the power and the authority through the spirit that indwells in me who Jesus himself said was to our advantage for him to go away so that we could have the spirit and he said that the spirit would remind you of all things that I have said. And Jesus said that I only say the things that the Father tells me to say. So what's the primary language of your Father? Jesus. Three times in the Gospels, Father God speaks audibly. We have the recorded word that he spoke audibly three times. At Jesus' baptism in Mark, the first chapter, it's also recorded in Luke and in Matthew, the third chapter. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father speaks audibly. People heard it. On the Mount of Transfiguration after Elijah and Moses had showed up and the glory of God that was on the inside of Jesus shone on the outside of Jesus and Peter, James, and John saw it then Elijah disappears, Moses disappears, Jesus is standing alone in all of his glory and the Father speaks on the Mount of Transfiguration and again says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And listen to what Jesus what God says here, the Father says, hear him only. The primary language of God is Jesus, hear him only. Only. And then again in John 12, 28, Jesus is in prayer. He said, Father, may your name be glorified. The Father speaks audibly in that prayer and he says, I have glorified and I will glorify my name. And do we have the recorded word through Paul that says, God has exalted him and given him a name above every other name so that the name of God was exalted in Jesus and through Jesus All three times that the father spoke, he pointed to the son. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he points to the son. Folks, it's all about Jesus. When God the father looks at his son, he has pleasure in his son. He says, I love you, beloved. I love you and I take pleasure in you. Well pleased. When the Father God looks at you, his sons and his daughters, he enjoys, admires, cherishes, prizes, and relishes in what he sees. If we're not speaking Jesus because we speak from what we believe. Paul said we believe, therefore we speak. And it's hard for us to speak or to confess the same thing that is already true about us because we don't believe it here first and in here. And so we have a difficult time and we want to revert back to, you're not a failure because you fail. Now that's what the world would tell us. That's what society would put us. That's even what religious teaching would put on you, that if you commit adultery, you're an adulterer. I'm not saying that you should go out and do any of these things, but that's not who you are by nature. You are the Son and God of God. And when he looks at you, this is what he sees. The Father loves the Son. And Isaiah 42 says he's given all things into his hands and he delights in his Son. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. 1 John, not you will be, you are. As he is right now, so are you right now in this world. And the Father sees you as such, admires you, cherishes you, enjoys you, and has given all things into your hands so that you can rule and reign in this life through the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. So, if it is important to you, it is important to your Father. If it concerns you, if it weighs heavy on your heart and your mind, it is weighing heavy on the heart and mind of God, your father, because he does not he delights in you. He does not want you to be discouraged, depressed, sick. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to enjoy like we said last week, he wants you to enjoy life. God spoke to Abraham. If we can put this one on the screen. For a fourfold covenant it's very important for us to see this because what God is coming out of his mouth this is the precedent for the new covenant I want you to look at the Father's language here I will make you a great nation that is declared to us in the New Testament you are a holy nation a chosen people I will bless you and make you a great name. Now he is, don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. I will make you, bless you and make you a great name. I will bless those who bless you. He even adds to that, I will curse those who curse you. Really what that is is protection. He's just hedging you in protection. He's blessing those that bless you. And I will bless all, how many? All, all families of earth through you. No strings attached. Do you see any strings attached to this covenant that's fourfold that God is making verbally? It is a verbal covenant and promise that God has made to Abraham. And the fulfillment of that is in Galatians, the fifth chapter, where he talks of the son and the seed. It's an incorruptible seed, and it is through the son, Jesus Christ. Seed, singular, the son of God, that this was fulfilled. We aren't sons of a can-do God. We are sons of an already-done God. That's a catchy little phrase, but we're not asking God to make us right. God, can you do this for me? He's not a can-do God. Now, all things are possible for us who believe, but it's believing that he has already done. So, I said this during communion, but I'll... This is what um, Lisa put in my spirit this week through the Holy Spirit. We don't confess so things might be true. We confess, and that word confess there is we say the same thing or we have the same language that our Father has. And he says they're already true. It's not true that you will be presented as a bride without spot and blemish. It's already true. He presented, we've got to stop trying to work to become blameless and spotless. He's the one that is blameless and spotless and if we believe that and receive what he has already done, not what he can do, And if he's done it in the past, it's already done. It's a work that was finished at the cross that had ongoing benefits. He does not have to go back to the whipping post. He does not have to go back to the cross. He does not have to go back to the tomb. He was risen and he is Lord and he is king now and forever. The God who was, the God who is, the God is who will continue to be forever. God has spoken a blessing over his sons and his daughters. Get a hold of this, despite what anybody else would speak over your life, the Father has already spoken a blessing over you. And in the old covenant, if Balaam could not speak a curse over what God had already blessed in the old covenant, under a blood of goats and bulls, how much more, under a new covenant, has the Holy Spirit spoken a blessing over us that cannot be reversed? So it doesn't matter what others speak over you. Really, it doesn't even matter what you speak over yourself. The Father still sees you as blessed. Why? Because He has spoken that. He sees you as valuable. In this covenant that God spoke over Abraham, He was actually Abram at this point, which means exalted father. That's a pretty good name. But God changed His name to Abraham. He said, I will give you a great name. And he changed his name to Abraham. He breathed favor into him. And then Abraham began to confess over himself what God had already said was true about him. You are the father of many nations. Now, you're not just an exalted father, Abram. You are Abraham, the father of many nations. And through you, the seed, Jesus, would come through that line and that lineage would fulfill all of this so that you and I can be... See, that's when God counted it unto Abraham as righteousness. Why? Because he believed that what God had said about him was already true and he began to call himself Abraham. Had no sons biologically yet, but he was already confessing, I'm the father of many nations. He wasn't confessing it so that it would come true. He believed that it was already true that he was the father of many nations before he ever fathered a child. You and I have to begin to speak over ourselves. I love the song that we sang last week from Charity Gale. A new name written down in heaven and that refrain in that song says, I am who the I am says I am. I'm not going to be what the I am says I'm going to be. I am... What the I am says I am. We have to believe it. That's the Father's language. The Father is speaking through what Jesus has fulfilled. He's given us an indwelling Holy Spirit to prompt us and to remind us that we are sons. The Holy Spirit, when he's working with me, I know when I'm not supposed to do something. Before, even when I'm thinking about doing something, and see, all of your minds are going through. He's, oh, he's worried. He's he's thinking about doing horrible things. Well, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But when I think of those things, the Holy Spirit is already warning me. I can I know. My body is telling me, the Holy Spirit is prompting me. And what he's telling me is, you're a son. You're my son. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't do that. Now if I avoid that warning and I don't um, hear it, yield to it and I go on into my free will and I act that he's not going to change what he believes about me I love what the mirror Bible says in Ephesians the second chapter verses 5 through 7 it gets down through there and he says my intense love for you does not change while you were yet a sinner my love for you was expressed through what the son did if you continue sinning, my love for you, my intensity of my love for you does not change. I believe that that is the preposis prepos- of where people are in their minds that causes them to quit. That when they fail and they fall, they make a mistake, they believe that God's love for them ceases to exist until they do something to regain his trust and his confidence in him. Now my word to you today is learn to yield and we're going to start learning in July about hearing the voice of the Spirit is learning on this side of it because the consequences on the other side of it could be detrimental and God hates what it's going to do to you. It just breaks his heart that you would make that decision because he was trying to warn you on this side of it. So quit trying to say, well, I'll get forgiveness on the other side of it. No, learn to get permission on this side of it. That's only learned by spending time with the Holy Spirit, learning how He speaks to you, and then yielding to that voice. You will miss so much tragedy, turmoil in your life. Stop trying to convince the Father who you are. Let Him convince you who you are. Man, if I'd have known that 25, 30 years ago, I was trying to convince Him of who I was and who I was trying to convince him of was I was rotten, I was filthy, I was unworthy, I was a wretched sinner, just a worm, all those things that we used to sing in songs. But when I got free and let that go and now I am learning to allow him to tell me, convince me of who I am, then I confess what's already true about me, not what needs to become true. Wow. Wow. Now, God told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons in Numbers, the sixth chapter, verse 24 through 26, we declare this over you at the end of every service on Sundays. This is the blessing. See, I told you that God's language, he speaks a blessing over his sons and his daughters. This is the blessing you shall declare over my children. This is Old Covenant. But this is still God's heart for his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's awesome. But I believe that Father God has already fulfilled this blessing through his son Jesus at the cross. Through the finished work, now we confess what is already true about us, not to make this blessing true. So when I come to you on Sundays and we give this benediction, we're not confessing something, may the Lord bless you. We are confessing the Lord has blessed you. The Lord is keeping you, protecting you, sustaining you, and guarding you. We confess that he has caused his face to shine upon you and that he is being gracious to you that he has looked upon you with favor and turned his countenance towards you and he's looking upon you with divine approval. That's what that phrase means, that he is looking upon you with divine approval. Not for you to gain his approval, but that you are his sons in whom he is well pleased. Because the approval of a father empowers a son. He has given us the peace, the shalom of God which is the tranquility of heart and life. So, folks, I don't just say a cliche. I believe when I confess out of my mouth over you that this is already true about you and me. Okay, shift gears with me. Let's back it down for just a second. Complaining is the language of fear, not the father. Paul tells the Philippians to do how many things without complaining? To do all things without murmurings and complainings. Here's why. Because complaining breeds unbelief and produces snakes. Numbers 21.5, When the children of Israel began to complain... It led to unbelief. They did not believe that the word that God had spoken over them about the promised land was true and they weren't doing all things without complaining. They were murmuring. I I heard Bill Johnson say this week that we have become content with the slavery of luxury and we've lost uh, the freedom, the responsibility of freedom in doing that. So we were, we've we become more content to be slaves back in Egypt. They forgot what they were working, how they were working, and that their kids and the next generation and the next generation were going to be held in that slavery and that bondage, but that God had set them free, but there was some responsibility in that freedom, do all things without murmurings and complaining. Do you know why Paul said that? that your lights may shine in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the darkness. He also says in that same context, do all things without murmuring and complaining, that you may be recognized as the sons of God. Complaining is not your father's language. And so when we complain, it's not recognized as being, we are not recognized as being children of God and it produces unbelief and then unbelief will read, lead us right back into complaining and it produces snakes in our lives. It's a breakdown of character of the heart, here it is, to choose the safety of slavery over the responsibility of freedom. Jesus is our confession of our mouths. Look at the screen. I'm going to give you a second to take a picture of it, a mental picture of it, or a note. Jesus is the confession of our mouth. He's the language that we speak. That word confession, again, in the Greek means to say the same thing as. We are saying what the Father has said about us through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is reminding us of that, so then we speak it out of our mouth. You know what it sounds like? When we speak Jesus, this is what it sounds like. It sounds like grace and truth. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, only what is pleasing to the hearer. That's not the tickling of the ears, that's speaking Jesus. Grace and truth. It sounds like grace when we communicate with people. We can't go to Sunday afternoon dinner this afternoon to celebrate our fathers and complain about what's going on in our church, in our country, in our finances, and then expect an unbelieving waiter or waitress or hostess for, to see us shining as sons of God. Because they're only going to hear the complaining, which is unbelief in producing snakes. But if they hear grace and truth and they hear the language of the Father who is Jesus coming out of our mouths, their ears will perk up and they're going to hear, want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. It's blessing and not cursing. That word blessing there is you are speaking a eulogy over someone's life. You are declaring over their life encouragement, empowerment, uplifting, undergirding, And you're not speaking any negative into your life. And you know what that produces? Joy. The language of the kingdom produces joy. The heart of our Father is always towards us. Rob, if you would just come and play. And he has granted us access into his throne room. I I would really like to give you an image. This is the image that I have in my imagination I used to see the throne room as a judgment seat. And I was not bold to come into the throne room. I was timid to come into the throne room because I didn't believe I was who he said I was. But the throne room is nothing more than God's living room. Don't get this. Now, he is king, he is mighty, he is holy, he is wonderful. But if you have this image of God on a throne with a club in his hand, that's going to smack you upside of the head and you're timid and you're shy about coming in because he's going to give punishment instead of grace. See, we come into the throne room boldly and we have access through Jesus. And it says that we can come in and we can ask for and receive mercy and grace in our time of need. It's a family room. There was a chair that my dad sat in when I was growing up. I can see it right now. There was a time when I was immature and I was acting unbecoming to a son that if I was called to that room, there was fear. I wasn't afraid of my dad. I'm not saying that. It was my own conscience that was causing me to feel guilty and shameful. And he might not have even known what I had done, but I knew what I had done. And I didn't want to go in there because I was afraid of the consequences that might come but then as I matured and there were great talks around that chair there were words of wisdom given around that chair there was comfort given around that chair there was hugs that were given from that chair then there was no the fear was removed and I could go in boldly then it became a point in time in my life where I didn't live in that house but he was still in that chair and I didn't even have to knock on the door Come on, somebody. I had a key, and I could go in, and I didn't even just go into the room where the chair was. Sometimes I would bypass that chair and go right into the kitchen to the refrigerator and open the door and take whatever I needed and wanted without asking. Why? Because it was my father's house, and I had access to everything that he had because I was his son. You are the sons and the daughters of God and you have access to everything that the Father has and He he's, has unlimited resources. Yes. Listen to this. Jesus said, you can ask anything of my Father. How? If you speak His language. His language is Jesus. Ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. On this Father's Day, as you stand to your feet, as you are listening there at home, my encouragement to you this morning is to learn to speak your Father's language. And Jesus is His primary language. And we're confessing, saying the things that are already true look at the screen Isaiah 55 God speaks and he says my word which comes out of my mouth will not return void it says here that that means it won't come back without a result or without accomplishing what I desire to accomplish and without succeeding in the manner which I sent it do you know Jesus is the word and God sent Jesus the word and he accomplished. It did not come back without result. It did not come back without accomplishing what the father desired and that was to bring many sons to glory through the finished work of the cross. Sons and daughters of God, may we begin to speak the father's language and may this father's day be the launching pad of our belief and so that we can speak what we believe. So much more in this message that we could go into. I mean, it says in Romans that we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth. What do we confess? That Jesus is Lord. That's already true. We don't have to do anything to make that true. It's already true. I mean, we can speak First Peter 2, 24, that by His stripes we are healed. That's something that's already true. We're not asking God to... To send Jesus back to the whipping post for you to be healed. All of your sins, trespasses, and transgressions are under the blood. God has reconciled the whole world to Himself. Do you believe it? Be thou reconciled and the ben, be, then begin to confess that to everyone. You you know, God's already reconciled you, Gary. You don't have to do anything. The Father loves you and while you were yet in your sin, God sent jesus to die for you and he loves you with an intensity man that you can't even imagine i believe that about you will you believe that about yourself that's the gospel that's speaking jesus so father in jesus name holy spirit begin to deal with our hearts may we speak the language of the the kingdom we declare a blessing over these people this morning that you've already declared and we say the same thing that you've said. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They are blameless. They were without spot, without blemish. They were a bride, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, chosen people. And God, this morning, your face is towards them. You are shining on them with your divine approval. And so whatever needs to transpire in their life you've already accomplished it for every good and every perfect gift comes down from the father above. You're not you're not a turning god. You're not one who takes back his word. So what you've given as a gift is still in our lives. You're not going to take it away. We have everything that pertains to life, every resources available to us so we we speak from those resources today not for those resources and we speak over your people that they are blessed and they're coming and they're going everything that their hands touches is blessed we don't become unclean by touching unclean things unclean things become clean because we have clean hands and a pure heart through what Jesus has done for us I speak over marriages and families. I speak Jesus. To every dark depression and addiction, I speak Jesus. To every mind that is confused and full of chaos, I speak Jesus. To every fear that's holding your people in bondage and captivity, I speak Jesus. I speak grace and truth to the one that is in unbelief today. Those who are downtrodden and downhearted and brokenhearted and need some joy, I speak Jesus this morning. Come on, wherever you are, wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, would you just begin to speak Jesus over your life right now. If it's healing of the body or healing in the mind, just put your hands on your own body and begin to confess right now, Jesus has healed me. Jesus has delivered me. Jesus has set me free. Can I get anybody to pray in the Holy Ghost right now and believe with me and begin to confess and say the same thing that Jesus is speaking over you? The Father is speaking blessing over this house this morning. In various times past and in various ways, he did speak through the prophets, but now he speaks through his Son it's a better way. It's a better covenant. It's a better promise. It was better blood. And He's cleansing your conscience today. That, that deals with me right there. Some of you are still dealing with guilt and condemnation for past actions and thoughts. Right now I speak Jesus over your mind. All guilt, all shame is gone. If you've not believed unto salvation today, the scripture says to believe in your heart that the work that Jesus did on the cross is finished and complete and it was a work that he did for you and then confess it with your mouth that he has been raised from the dead and he is alive forevermore interceding for you guaranteeing that you receive all the benefits that the Father has for you and in his inheritance. Would you believe that's this morning unto salvation? If you are a believer and you've believed unto salvation, but you've got some unbelief, would you confess right now, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And begin to confess the things that God's promised over your life. You know that your father is a God of provision and prosperity. He's a protector and he is a shield and a buckler, a lifter of our head. Why so downcast all my soul? Put your trust in Him and begin to confess. Speak the Father's language. I just declare that over all of your children this morning, Father, that we are speaking your language and that our primary language is Jesus. And it's His name that we ask and believe these things, declaring them. And everybody said, Amen.